continuing the series on eternal judgment, which is the sixth uh, of the uh, foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. There are six foundational doctrines that are taught to us in that passage of Scripture, and uh, we are dealing with the doctrine called eternal judgment in this series of teachings. And so we've had a look at uh, certain aspects of this doctrine up until now. We've had a look at the fact that the saints will not be condemned. For we're dealing um, in this uh, series of teachings as a subtitle to the topic of eternal judgment, the saints' judgment, uh, the judgment that the saints will incur on their day. And uh, we saw in a previous teaching that the saints will not be condemned uh, with the world. And our Lord has given us uh, his assurance on this. In John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 24, our Lord says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so we saw that the judgment that the believer will not incur is the judgment of condemnation, which is the uh, judgment that all unbelievers will incur on their day of judgment at the end of the age. And then we saw another scripture, again, our Lord speaking to us in the Gospel of John, Chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In fact, the world is not meant to be condemned. God has sent Jesus to die for everyone, and he has taken away the sin of the world. And so it's very foolish for the world to reject God's sacrifice because in effect what they do is then they condemn themselves for God didn't send Jesus into the earth to condemn the earth but rather to save the world verse 18 he says he who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God and so we see that unbelievers in fact do condemn themselves as an, as an act of their free choice and uh, they will be raised at the very last day uh, for their judgment, which is the judgment of condemnation. And the believer, <clears throat> once we have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior in this life, we uh, instantly pass from death to life, and the believer is no longer subject to the judgment of condemnation. However, we also looked at the fact that once we've made our decision to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we need to guard that decision as long as we are on this earth because it's in the condition that we leave the earth that actually determines where we will go. So if a believer um, in Christ, when they die, are still faithfully serving the Lord and have not denied him, they will go to be with the Lord Jesus and that will be where they will spend all eternity. However, we've seen in Scripture that it is possible for believers to change their minds and to no longer follow after the Lord Jesus and in actual fact reject Him and uh, thus lose their salvation. And um, so then they once again would be subject to the judgment of condemnation. And we saw in uh, Corinthians, Paul spoke about the fact that all things are lawful for him, but not all things were helpful. And though all things were lawful for him, he would not be brought under the power of any. Um, indicating that if we were to continue to commit sin, we as believers do place ourselves under the power 
of sin. And our Lord Jesus also said the same thing. He said, I tell you truly, if anyone uh, commits sin, he becomes a slave of sin. And so, you know, Paul said, you know, I guard myself against that, even though all things are lawful for me. And we, we explained how grace is impacted in our lives and why the scripture does say that all things are lawful for us. And then Peter gave us the admonition by saying, you know, um, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, he says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And then verse 16, As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. And so Peter also talks about the fact that we're free, as, as Paul said, all things are lawful for us. Um, but Peter admonishes us, he said, don't use that liberty as a cloak for vice. In other words, don't um, push, your, push the envelope, so to speak, by saying, well, because I'm under grace uh, and my spirit can't die when I commit sin, well, then I will continue in sin because by doing that, you're going against the express will of God and uh, we will incur uh, the result of that. For we saw in Galatians 6, verse uh, 7 and 8, the scripture says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. That word corruption also means destruction. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so he's talk, when he speaks reaping corruption, he's talking about spiritual death. And we've really uh, gone through this topic um, uh, in, in extensively. But there's, I just want to close off with a, a couple more scriptures uh, on this particular topic because it is so important for us uh, that we do need to guard our eternal decision because it is only in this life that that decision can be made. Um, and once we've made that decision, we, we must be diligent to not drift away from the things of God and not allow ourselves to be drawn away and enticed by sin because uh, it is a dangerous path to be on. And the scripture I want us to look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at uh, verse 1. And this uh, passage of scripture highlights to us just pretty graphically uh, what we've been talking about. He's, it says, uh, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Um, verse 2, And you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present, him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so... We have a, a clear case here. This is a believer who's living in unrepentant sin, the unrepentant sin of sexual immorality. And what happens is the Apostle Paul pronounces judgment on him in that uh, Paul, Paul's judgment is that he is to incur early death, physical death, that is. And the reason that 
there's two reasons given to us in Scripture as to why Paul pronounces this judgment on this uh, believer who's unrepentant uh, and is continuing in sin. The one is to uh, remove the influence of sin from the church. Um, but the second reason is the one that we really want to concentrate on for this uh, particular teaching. And that is so that this particular believer's salvation would remain intact. Because um, in the passage of Scripture, Paul is saying, Deliver such a one to, uh, to save him from the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so even though this uh, believer would die in, um, in sin, because he's living, uh, in, he's committing sexual immorality, he's not repenting of that sin, and so judgment is pronounced on him in this life. Uh, that he is to incur early death. And um, even though he, if uh, that, that uh, judgment was pronounced and actually uh, did take place, as it turns out, uh, we know in a later uh, letter that Paul wrote to that church that that particular believer did in fact repent of his sin and so um, they forgave him. But had that judgment been carried out in the individual's life, he would have died in sin. Nevertheless, his spirit would have still been saved because um, the spirit, as we've already gone through in this teaching, is not affecting, affected by sin because we're under grace, we're not under law. And so sin does, has no dominion over the believer in this life. But the reason that the judgment was pronounced on that individual was twofold. The one was so that to remove sin from the church. The second one was so that the believer's salvation would remain intact. Because Paul understood the concept that had they left that believer alone, that believer would eventually have been hardened in his heart to that degree where he would have then committed the sin to death that John speaks about in his writings. And that sin to death is denying Christ. And so rather than the believer losing his eternal um, um, reward or it, it losing eternal life, really, um, they, uh, the, the judgment was pronounced will, will take away his physical life so that his eternal life remains intact. And that is the reason that this particular believer was um, judged by God, because eternity is far more important to God than this life. And so if the Lord looks upon us and he sees that the path that we're on um, is leading us away from eternal life, then he will rather judge us in this life and take us to be uh, with him in heaven so that we cannot lose eternal life. That is um, the, the grace of God, in fact, steps in and does that because our Lord does not want us to incur the judgment. Of, of the world. And again, we'll have a look at that one more scripture um, that we looked, we had quoted before, but we'll just go for it one more time. Is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30 and uh, 31 and 32. Again, the scripture is just so graphic. It explains to us exactly why it is that our Lord chastens us in this life to the point of early death, physical death, that is. And he says, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And so, again, very clearly, this letter is written to believers, not to unbelievers. And we can expect, if we refuse to repent of our sin of our own accord, in other words, we don't judge ourselves, 
We can't expect the Lord to begin judging us in this life. And our Lord will take that judgment all the way to the point of early physical death. And he does that because if he sees that the path that we're on will lead us down to that point where, as James says, uh, when sin is full grown, it brings forth death, talking about spiritual death. And so if our Lord sees that the path that we're on, the sin that we're committing, will eventually lead us to com uh, uh, committing the sin to death, he will rather than judge us in this life and take us to be with him. So even though we were to die as believers in unrepentant sin, our spirits would still be alive unto God and we would still be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And our eternal life would be intact. And as believers, we would not be subject to the judgment of condemnation. So that we, the moment that we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we have now been um, removed from that judgment. And we cannot go back into that judgment unless we were to leave the body of Christ unless we were to uh, give up our salvation and then we would obviously incur the judgment of condemnation once again that the unbelievers will incur on their day and so that is uh, as far as I want to get on the point of the fact that Christians unbelievers in Christ are not subject to the judgment of condemnation we will not be condemned our salvation is assured and then as I said I, I needed to put in the the, the warning that Scripture gives is very clear about, about the fact that we need to guard our eternal decision so that we do not um, lose our salvation and thus again once become subject to the, the judgment of condemnation. However, after all of that that we've gone through, um, and we've seen that the saints will not be, incur the judgment of condemnation, the saints nevertheless still will be judged. Uh, we as, as um, the body of Christ, as the Lord's um, followers, we will be judged and we will have to give an account of our, our lives to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a look at scripture and then we'll comment on it. The scripture we want to look at is in Romans chapter 14, beginning, as, beginning at verse 10. And uh, this is Paul, uh, the, or the Holy Spirit, writing to the church through the Apostle Paul. And he says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. And so very clearly in this passage of Scripture, uh, we as believers uh, will stand before Christ Jesus on that day and we will give an account of ourselves to Him and we will be judged by the Lord. We will not be judged for our salvation, for our salvation is assured. We have already passed from death to life. But what we will be judged for on that day is the works that we have done as believers. For we are to give an account of ourselves to the Lord Jesus on that day. Um, and we will stand before the Lord Jesus. He, he will judge his church, and his, in turn his church will judge the world. And we'll get to that as we go through uh, this teaching on eternal judgment. But nevertheless, we will. Um, there's definitely a case of the, 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 the believers in Christ, the church of our Lord, will be judged, each one of us, for the scripture said, 
um, each one shall give an account of himself to God. And so we're going to be standing before the Lord on our own before the Lord, and we will have to give an account of our lives. Now, the account that we'll have to give is from the time we're born again until the time we leave this planet. But we don't want to get into detail on the judgment in uh, today's teaching. We just wanted to look at the fact that, that the saints will be judged. In, um, and also the, the attitudes that we should have in this, in this life with regards to the judgment that the saints uh, will incur. Uh, another scripture we can look at is in James chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. James writing to the church, he says, So speak, the count, this is his counsel to believers, this is Christ, Christians he's speaking about. He says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Verse 13, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so the Apostle James tells us here that we're going to be judged by the law of liberty. Now the law of liberty that he refers to is in fact the, the New Testament, uh, the Word of God as, as recorded in, in the New Testament. We will be judged according to the, those laws. Um, and he says the benchmark that we will be judged by is the, the, the New Testament. That is the benchmark that we will be held to account to on um, our day of judgment. But we don't want to go into any detail on, on what we're going to be judged for on that day. That's not uh, today's topic um, of, of, of the teaching. But uh, one of the things that we see in this passage of Scripture does give us a little bit of insight as to what that judgment will be like. For he says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so there's a, there's a bit of a hint here that uh, believers will actually require mercy on their day of judgment. And uh, we can only, uh, only somebody who has um, done wrong requires mercy. Um, so, you know, it just gives us a bit of uh, an insight as to um, the degree of judgment that we will incur. But I'm going ahead of myself at this time. Um, another scripture we can look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning at verse 9. Uh, Paul writing to the church, and he says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. And so again, he's writing to Christians. This is the attitude of Christians, well-pleasing to him, being well-pleasing to the Lord Jesus. Verse 10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one, may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done. Now look at this, whether good or bad. And so, it, it, you know, there's just, let me just carry on, verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. And so it is very clear from that passage of Scripture as well, is that, Every single believer will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on that day and we will be judged according to what we've done in the body. Now that means according to what we've done in this life. And so the, the point is very clear with regards to the Christian's judgment is that it's our works that will be judged, what we have done, not our salvation. Our salvation is, is already paid for through the blood of Christ. 
And so that's a non-issue as far as Christians are concerned. What will be judged in the Christian's life is with their life, what they have done from the time that they were born again until the time they leave the planet. That, those things that were done in the body, uh, those things will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says very plainly, um, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so, you know, you, you get a lot of Christians who think, all right, well, you know, all the bad will just be done away with and we will not give an account for that because the Lord is understanding and we're in his kingdom and we'll only be judged for the good things that we've done. But that's not the, what the Bible teaches us at all. We will be judged for both the good and the bad. Um, and so, you know, our, our judgment will be completely uh, impartial. It's not going to be a case of anything going to be swept under the rug. Um, our Lord, time and again when he was on the earth, he said, uh, guys, whatever has been said in the dark is going to be proclaimed from the rooftops. And so there's nothing that is going to be left out of the judgment. In fact, there is stuff that will be left out of, of the judgment. We won't uh, touch on that today. Um, but nevertheless, in this passage of Scripture, uh, we see very clearly Christians will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on that day. We will give an account of ourselves to our Lord for everything that we've done throughout our lives. Not, and we're not talking about our lives prior to being born again, for that old man has died and that judgment is, is not to be incurred. We're talking about everything that is done in the body since we have become part of the body of Christ Jesus our Lord. That will be judged with complete impartiality and in minuscule detail. Um, I, I can't overemphasize the point of just how much uh, every thought will be judged. Every, every word that we have spoken will be judged on that day. Uh, for the Lord said, you know, even your idle words you'll have to give an account for on that day. Um, and the Lord, you know, in, in trying to show us just how good the Lord is from the reward point of view, he says just giving a cup of cold water to a saint will be rewarded on that day and will not go unrewarded. Um, but just as that is all the negative stuff, all the bad stuff that Christians have done in their lives, uh, which have not been dealt with in this life, will have to be brought to account in, on the Day of Judgment, and it will be there because everything gets recorded in the book. Um, and those books are completely uh, in, in full detail. And the only thing that erases anything out of the books in heaven is the blood of Christ, nothing else. And so it gives you a bit of an insight as to what will not be judged when, when we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. But God shows no partiality to any man, has no favorites. And so each one of us will stand before our Lord Jesus on that day and we will give it a complete account of ourselves. Um, and, you know, there will be no arguing that will take place because it will be there for plain for everybody to see. Because don't forget, when our Lord judges, he judges with righteous judgment because he judges uh, the, the secrets and the intents of the heart. And so he knows the motivation behind every act that we've done, every word that we've spoken. Um, and so that will be made manifest. And so, you know, what to us in this life might look like a good deed, in fact, when the, that day of judgment pitches, will actually not be such a good deed anymore because the true motivation of that deed will then be brought to life at the, at the time that the, the, that deed is in fact judged. And so the point is very clear. 
that saints will not incur the judgment of condemnation. However, saints will be judged and we will be judged uh, with complete impartiality. We'll be judged in complete detail for every aspect of our lives. There's not going to be anything that will be left out. Um, and we will give an account of ourselves to our Lord on that particular day. And the benchmark, uh, as James tells us, is this is what my word said. This is how you behaved. So did you, did you meet the benchmark or not? Because he said we'll be judged according to the law of liberty. Um, let's just read that scripture again just so we get it right. He says, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. So that is the, the benchmark. The, the New Testament standard that our Lord Jesus has given to us is what we will be judged by. And we need to be behaving in a, in a manner that will uh, meet the requirements of that particular judgment. But he goes on to say you know, that mercy triumphs over judgment. But our mercy only triumphs over judgment if we have been merciful in this life. If we've not been merciful in this life, it can be very hard for us. To obtain mercy from the Lord on that day. And so that is uh, pretty clear as, as we can see in Scripture that we will incur um, the judgment of the Lord uh, as saints. Now we want to look at the fact that in this life we do need to focus on the prize. Um, when I say the prize, because you know the, the whole purpose of that judgment that we stand before the Lord is not, is not going to be a case of the Lord's going to you know, try and nitpick and try to find ways of, of, of uh, not rewarding us. Because that judgment is actually meant to reward the saint for the works that he's done or she's done in the earth uh, while she's been uh, uh, in the body of Christ. And so the Lord, that's why the Lord said, you know, if you give just a cup of cold waters to somebody as a saint, you will not lose your reward. And so the Lord is certainly going to be overly generous in, um, on that day of judgment. But the bad things will have to be brought to account as well. Um, and so what we have to do is we have to be, as believers, we should be focused on this um, day of judgment because it's, it's, it's coming. It's not something that is, you know, well, we, some of us will go through it, some of us won't go through it, um, you know, as, as, they, as they say. No, not at all. It's, it's, it's a definite. It's going to happen. Each one of us will stand before the Lord and we will give an account of ourselves before Him. Um, and so we do need to be focused on this and not approach this day of judgment because don't forget we're standing before our Creator. We're standing before God. You know, if, if we were to have to stand before uh, an earthly judge for whatever reason, for something that we had done right or wrong for that matter, we would be focused on that day that we would have to go stand before that judge. Well, we're going to have to go stand before the judge of the whole earth on that particular day. And so we do need to be focused on this issue and not treat it lightly. We spoke earlier about, uh, you know, our Lord's view of approaching the day, the day of judgment in a manner, well, you know, so be it. I'm going to be judged, I'm going to be judged, so what? Um, and our Lord's view is, is, is that's not a very wise uh, way of approaching it. And then we spoke about how you know, people uh, prepare for uh, retirement in this life. And we should be preparing for our eternal uh, retirement, so to speak. 
Uh, it's not the correct thing to say, but it's pretty, you understand the point that I'm trying to get across here. And so the most believers, you know, their, their view about their day of judgment is, well, you know, well, um, I'll just hope for the best. Um, if I get rewarded or if I don't get rewarded, you know, that's up to the Lord. But at least I know I'm saved. And that is certainly not the way that the Bible teaches us to approach our day of judgment. And as we go through this teaching, we will see um, just how the Lord actually does frown upon that attitude in his church because he has given us more than enough warning in his word as to how we should be approaching our day of judgment. Because don't forget, I mean, just to, to approach that particular day with the attitude of, you know, well, I'm saved anyway. So, you know, if I get rewarded, great. If I don't, so what? Um, we're talking about eternity now. We're talking about we will be judged on that day and as an outcome of the, as a result of that judgment that will be pronounced upon us on that day, that will determine how we are to spend the rest of eternity. Now we know where we, where we are to spend the rest of eternity because we know that we're in Christ and we will spend the rest of eternity with Him. But how we will spend the rest of eternity with Him will be determined on that day. And so, you know, it's, it is such a profound um, event in the life of the believer. And so we should really take this thing so seriously because it is an extremely serious, I know I'm, I'm kind of uh, uh, smiling when I say that, but it is, it, it, it just boggles the mind as how people are so flippant about things of eternity. And, uh, you know, well, Yes, whatever happens, happens. You know, that, that's up to the Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to be worried about it. And I'm not saying we should be worried about it. That's not the, the, the comment I'm trying to get across at all. I'm saying we should be focused on it. And we should be working towards it. And you'll see as we go through Scripture what the Bible actually teaches us along that line. Um, let's have a look at a, a, a Scripture now which would give us just a little bit of insight as to what actually this judgment uh, is all about not from that point of view of the judgment itself, but the scripture is just kind of an analogy to show us uh, what this event is going to be like. And the scripture we want to look at is in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 16. Um, and the writer of Hebrews says, um, Lest there be any fornicator or prof profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And so the writer here is telling us about Esau, which was Jacob's older brother, how he treated his birthright. And if, if you understand the story, what actually happened, what transpired, is that um, Esau had been out hunting and Esau came back into the camp and uh, Jacob was preparing, uh, I think, a lentil stew or something like that. And Esau was hungry. And so Esau comes up to Jacob and says, you know, can I have some of your, uh, your stew? And Jacob, being the, the devious chap that he was, he said, yeah, you can, not a problem, but uh, you're going to have to sell, you're going to have to buy it from me. And the price was... Uh, Esau had to uh, sell Jacob his birthright in order, order to get a plate of stew. And 
the result of that, uh, not transaction, but that, that uh, interaction between the two brothers is that Esau chose to sell his birthright to his younger brother for a plate of stew. And so he actually despised his birthright, um, which was a very serious issue. But the, the, the analogy we want to get across here is there's quite a few things we can put across from this point of view. The one is that Esau's focus was present tense. He was not interested in what was going to happen years and years from now when his birthright would fall due to him. Um, because his focus was right now in the present tense, the here and now. I'm, only, I'm hungry. And so, you know, my birthright means nothing to me now. What, what means something to me right now is a plate of food. And so he he gives up something futuristic, which is it, you know, his, his, his inheritance. He gives up his inheritance for something that is present tense and here and now, for a plate of food. And so the scripture talks about the fact that he despises his birthright. Um, and so he's only concerned about his immediate needs. He's not concerned about his future uh, inheritance at all at that time. Now, also, we mustn't forget is that Esau was Isaac's, is it Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Uh, yeah, Isaac's favorite son. Um, and so what was going through, most probably was going through Esau's mind was, all right, you know, all right, I'm, I'm selling my birthright to my brother, but, you know, I am my father's favorite son, so it's all going to turn out all right for me in the end anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm sure because, you know, I'm daddy's favorite. Um, but that's not what happened, because when the time came for him to inherit the blessing, the scripture says that he was rejected. And Isaac's hands were tied. Isaac couldn't do anything about it because Esau had sold his birthright. And God held him accountable for that. And God said, that's it, you, you sold your birthright, you cannot get it back. And you cannot inherit the blessing. And the scripture says that he, he sought diligently in verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. And so that was Esau's view about his inheritance. And that was, that was just an earthly inheritance. And so the, the analogy is very plain for us to see that for the Christian to have that type of a view about his, in, his in, eternal inheritance is not a good view to have because what happens is Christians are so focused on this life and what they can get in this life and how they can you know, do things in this life that eternity is the farthest thing from their mind and the view is you know, well, you know, Jesus will just take care of me and he loves me and you know, he'll just make sure everything's fine but we, we tend to and not understand we forget I suppose is that our Lord, is, his hands are tied, just as Isaac's hands were tied in Esau's case. Because don't forget, uh, Esau was Isaac's favorite son. But Esau could only, Isaac could only do what God had instructed him to do. And exactly in the same manner, when we stand before our Lord on that day, and we're judged, we'll, we'll be judged based on our doing our Father's will. For each one of us, uh, God has prepared good works for each one of us. To walk in and what will be judged in, a, in on that day is did we walk in the good works that were prepared for us yes or no 
And if the answer is no, well then our Lord's hand is going to be tied. He, yeah, he will not be able to reward us because we would have been doing things contrary to the will of the Father. And so we need to be focused on our eternal destination and, and our eternal rewards and our eternal day of judgment. Are we doing that which is pleasing to the Lord? Again, let's go back to what Paul admonishes us earlier in that passage of Scripture. In 2 Corinthians 5.9, uh, he says, Therefore, we make it our aim. This is our aim, guys. This is what we should be doing as believers. Whether present, talking about present in the body or absent, he's talking about with the Lord, to be what? Well-pleasing to Him. And so that is where the Christian's life should be focused around, to be well-pleasing to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and not to live for that plate of stew uh, that Esau lived for. And it was prepared, quite, quite prepared at that time to give up his uh, earthly inheritance for a, a plate of food. And we as Christians should not walk down that road and be prepared to give up our eternal inheritance for what amounts to a plate of food, really, by looking at, at, at the affairs of this life and being more focused on this life rather than being focused, rather than having our aim of being well-pleasing to Him. That is where the Christian needs to really be focused. Um, let's have a look at one more scripture along this line for today's subject, and that is in Luke chapter 19 beginning at verse 20. Our Lord is speaking specifically about uh, our day of judgment. Uh, it's a, par um, a parable that he gives, but it's a parable that relates to the judgment of the saints. This is not the unbeliever's judgment. He says, Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. Verse 21. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, you collect what you do, did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that I may, at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. Verse 26. For I say to you, this is now the Lord's warning to us, for I say to you, that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so what happened in this parable, as our Lord had related, he said that uh, this a king had gone away to inherit a kingdom, and when he left, he had given uh, each one of his servants uh, a mina. And they went out and they traded with that, what the Lord had given them. And they came back, and one guy had made ten, and the other guy had made five. And so the Lord had rewarded each one in according to their works, what they had done. And then we get this guy, he comes at the end of the line and he says, yeah, Lord, here's what you gave me. I'm giving it back to you. I didn't use it. Um, I hid it away because, you know, I, I knew you were uh, uh, quite a, a strict judge. Um, and the Lord says to him, yeah, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. 
uh, because you know you should have at least taken what I gave you and put it with bankers so that it could have, I could have come back and got interest with it. And there's a whole uh, parable teaching along that line which you can go into, which we don't want to go into today. But the point that I wanted to get across here was in verse uh, 26, because we're dealing with focusing on the prize, focusing on that day of judgment, you know, a- approaching it with the right attitude and not ap- approaching it with a flippant attitude of, well, you know, whatever happens what ha- will happen, you know, I'm not going to, you know, get overly concerned about it. And again, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that believers should be concerned about their day of judgment. What I am saying is that we need to make it our aim to be well-pleasing to Him so that when we stand before Him on that day, we can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But what He does to this particular um, servant is He takes what He has and He gives it to the guy who, who was the, the most fruitful. Uh, and He takes this servant's mean away from Him and gives it to the one who already has 10. And so he gets the abundance. But the one who only had the one, even has that one taken away from him. And he's got nothing. He has no inheritance any longer. And that's where we've got to be, um, uh, we've got to be careful, careful is maybe not the right word to use, but we have got to be focused. Because we don't want to get to that uh, point on that particular day where our Lord's going to say, you know, that's, there's no inheritance for you. And we will see in Scripture, there's, there's a lot of in, uh, Scripture along that line, that there are going to be believers on that day who will have their mina taken away from them. And they will have no inheritance. They'll be saved, they'll be in the kingdom of God, but they will not have an eternal inheritance because this is the attitude they displayed while they were on the earth is they didn't live to be well-pleasing to Him. They lived to be well-pleasing to themselves. And you know, that was their goal in life, that was their aim, that they were to enjoy life here. Um, God will take care of eternity. But they forgot about the fact that, in fact, we sow in this life for eternity. And if we don't sow for eternity, when we get to eternity, there will be nothing there to reap because we haven't sown anything. And so if we live for this life, when we get to the next one, that's it. We won't have anything to inherit because we've not built up and invested uh, for our future inheritance. And so we are not to be like the Esau's of this world and to be so focused on this life and the present tense that that which is futuristic is so far ahead, I'm not going to concern myself about it at this time. Because it is coming. Our day of judgment is coming. And it's not a wise way for the Christian to approach his day of judgment by saying, yeah, I'll, if, at least I'm saved. That's, uh, I'm not going to go to hell. So, you know, whatever is in store for me, so be it. I'll, I'll take whatever the Lord can give me. Um, you might not like what the Lord can give you on that day because he might not be able to give you anything. You might be like this particular servant. You know, the Lord put it in there. This is his parable. This, these are his words. And he says, take from him that which he's got and give it to the guy has got a lot. And that leaves this servant there, still in his kingdom, but he's got nothing. And that's where we want to work we want to avoid on our day of judgment. So that's why we go through the series of teaching. That's why the Lord puts this doctrine in his church called eternal judgment. 
And it's the doctrine for the baby believers. That's what all Christians should be taught as they come into the kingdom of God. Why, we, why would we do that? Why does the Lord want us to do that? So that for the rest of their lives on the earth, they, they live with this kind of focus in, in mind. That there's coming a day when I will give an account of myself to my Lord. And so I'm going to make it my aim to be well-pleasing to Him in everything that I do. And that's where we need to be focused on as believers. Um, and we're going to carry on with this uh, passage of thought in the, in the next series of teachings as well because uh, we need to understand this judgment that Christians will incur on that day um, and not let anything take us by surprise. But we'll end the teaching on that point today. Amen.